It was historic yesterday. Finland has now joined NATO, and I think this could have uh, huge uh, implications on what's going on in the uh, war in Ukraine and also for our Arctic Circle and our security here. Rob Hubert, uh, Hubert rather, is Associate Professor of Political Science at the University of Calgary and one of the country's leading experts on Arctic defense, and he joins the Kelly Cotrera Show. Rob, it's always good to have you on. Oh, it's always my pleasure, Kelly. Okay, so how big of a deal is it that Finland um, has become the 31st member of NATO? Well, you answered your own question with the introduction. It's a huge thing. Um, and what we're seeing is, once again, the issue of common-minded states coming together to, to respond to what is clearly being viewed as an increasingly dangerous geopolitical environment. It can't be under uh, it can't be underlined enough, of course, is that Finland, of course, has had one of the largest uh, borders with Russia. And as we see Russia become much more of an aggressor state, obviously, the fact that the Finns have decided to join indicates both their fear of what is happening and their willingness to step up and have collective security with the west of rest Western Europe and North America. Yeah, I believe Finland's been uh, attacked by Russia before. Isn't that where the uh, term Molotov cocktail originated? Well, the 1940 Winter War is often highlighted as one of the few times that we saw the Soviet Union actually being uh, defeated. Um, ultimately, the Soviets did pers uh, per uh, persevere in that war and forced Finland to surrender very significant amounts of, um, of population. All of this, of course, was taking place in the context of preparations of, uh, for, um, uh, of the events of the Eastern Front in World War II. But the Finns are known as a very hard fighter. And this is, by the way, one of the few, uh, one of the main reasons that at the end of the Second World War, of all the countries that the Soviets' uh, forces rolled over, Finland remained independent uh, domestically. And you don't see that anywhere else. And it's a testament to just how tough of a fighter they are. Okay, so what's changed? What made them realize, you know, it's probably a good idea if we become a member of NATO? They've always had a good relationship with NATO. They always had to walk a bit of a, a tightrope, and it's, that's what everyone refers to as Finlandization. In other words, they could be independent, they could be democratic internally, but they had to be careful, particularly in the first phases of the Cold War, not to appear too pro-Western. But even throughout the uh, towards the end of the Cold War, the Finns developed pretty good relationships with the rest of their Nordic countries that were in NATO. And, you know, we tend to overlook that. The event that drove Finland to join, however, was the Russian invasion. And I'd like to point out that the Finns have acknowledged, as everyone should, that war started in 2014. Because that's the point in time that, of course, that both the eastern Ukraine and uh, the Crimea were militarily taken from Ukraine. And that's the time that we see the Finns getting very serious about what was necessary to join NATO. We see them changing their overall population support. We see, or within uh, Finland, we see that changing. We also see that they're taking the necessary steps in anticipation and very quietly, they developed a very strong bilateral relationship with the Americans. All of this was in preparations for the, the ultimate decision to join. 
Now, there is one uh, person that cannot be happy about their application being accepted and uh, Finland being uh, a member officially yesterday of NATO, and that's got to be Vladimir Putin. Uh, this has been a major backfire for him because he was uh, trying to, uh, I guess, uh, you know, undermine NATO and their ability to defend their uh, their countries that belong, you know, in that organization. No, they're still trying to undermine NATO. We see that with some of their cyber operations. We suspect they're having some success. You look at some of the the Republican members of the American uh, Congress, and we're seeing that uh, that message that somehow this isn't a war of aggression is starting to stick with them. That being what it is, is uh, we were anticipating that the Russians would take all sorts of steps necessary to try to interfere with Finland. Um, either it didn't succeed or for reasons we don't understand, we don't quite see the same type of involvement as what we see, as I just said, with elements of the American political system and elsewhere. Uh, he, there's no way that this is uh, anything but a major defeat, however, for Putin. And the expected arrival of, Su uh, of Sweden, once uh, Sweden and Turkey can work out their differences, will be a further um, consolidation of sort of a Nordic branch of NATO, which has to be a deterrent, we hope, against further Russian aggression. Okay, let's talk about your specialty, and that's Arctic defense. So how important is Finland becoming the 31st member of NATO to actually our Arctic defense? We, we are seeing a seamless development of the Nordic countries. And in fact, what seems to be appearing, developing, and this has been in, works, in the works since about 2016, 2017, is that they are creating, along with the Americans, a Nord Nordic version of NORAD. Now, the problem that Canada is facing is that we don't seem to be heavily involved with any of this. We, we, we send token forces to on exercises that the Nordic countries have been engaged upon. We, we definitely are cheering the, the Finns on and the government, to its credit, was one of the very first of the NATO members to give approval to both Finland and Sweden. But in terms of this operational creation of this northern Nordic tier, doesn't seem to be terribly connecting with what we're doing. And what is important, remember, our government has said that it is committed to the modernization of NORAD. And one would think that we'd be seeing closer cooperation. Hopefully this is something that's still coming. Uh, but it, it's, it's good news for Canada because it adds another tier of defense against the Soviet, uh, against the Russians. Oops, slip of the tongue. Um, but once again, we're not quite seeing uh, the type of interactions that one would quite hopeful at this stage. And like I said, hopefully there'll be more coming down the pike in terms of direct Canadian, NATO, Northern Nordic NATO memberships. I know that Biden, we're just going to do a little switch here in the last couple minutes, uh, subject change, because I wasn't going to ask you about this, but I might as well, since I have you on the line. Biden just recently was here in Canada. How much do you think that um, uh, NORAD came up in the discussion between him and Prime Minister Trudeau, and how eager is he for Canada to do their part? My suspicion it was the major discussion. The Americans, and we're seeing this quite clear, are becoming very concerned that Canada is not pulling its weight. Um, a story in the Globe and Mail a couple of days ago highlights this when, in fact, Canada, even though we say we're modernizing NORAD, um, seemingly we're letting a hangar basically go to Chinese uh, owners uh, because they weren't jumping on it to make sure that they could own it. And it seems that it was American pressure that kept that from happening. 
It's happening on such things as hangers. You know that on the bigger issues of anti-ballistic missile defenses against the defenses against hypersonics and presumably defenses against submarines, which, of course, our government has said nothing about, um, uh, that the Americans are saying we've got to get our act together. And there are strong suspicions. That's why we have had some statements such as June last year that we're going to start getting serious about the fence. But we're still waiting to see whether or not this government will do that. All right. Have we just uh, has has our public, uh, I guess, uh, feeling of, about uh, being peacekeepers in Canada really uh, enabled our government to be pretty complacent and depend on the states for any kind of defense? Yeah, well, I mean, it's you know, you can talk about false narratives. Um, the reality is the reason why we do peacekeeping is to keep the NATO alliances together. That's that's our real uh, is Cyprus, Suez. Those are to keep the, the NATO countries together. We pretend we do peacekeeping, but we only do peacekeeping because our military has tended to be so well trained and so capable that it can do it. Um, our forces wow. since the First World War are to fight and defend Canadians. We're not peacekeeping is something that is a, a sideline, but it is not the core element of what we have a military for. I, I always love talking to you, Rob, because, you know, I, that is not the answer I expected. And I don't think that's the impression that most people have of the Canadian military, the average person, you know, that doesn't have family members in the military. I think we uh, we largely do look at our, our, you know, our job in the Canadian military as peacekeepers and don't realize that we can also uh, be defenders um, and, and really fight when needed. I mean, obviously, that's happening in Ukraine. We're tra training Ukrainian soldiers, but I think it's something that we will talk about another time i gotta wrap it up because i'm at the news here but uh, thank you so much for sparing time on this always my pleasure kelly i look forward to the next time cheers rob hubert is associate professor of political science at the university of calgary and one of the world's leading experts on arctic defense and i'm glad to have him on the show and as a friend of the show